I do think a lot of, like you said, relationship, like there's themes that go across the whole Bible, just like there's themes that go across all of parenting, right? My mom had this amazing parental um, discovery when we were younger, and I've adopted it as a parent myself, but they prayed every day when we were children that we would be caught for everything that we did. Um, natural consequences are absolutely the best consequence. Um, I don't think your children's characters are going to be molded by rules. I've never said this on a podcast before, so we parent in the early years, like on an Old Testament level, and then on the later years is more of like a New Testament level, like it's more personal, it's more grace-based, it's, it's more relational, and the Old Testament is kind of more like rule driven. There's a purpose for that. There's a foundation being built so that they can then thrive in this relational setting later. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for you to be able to listen to this interview that Katie did with Jody Maccabi. They cover a plethora of topics, including health in the home, you know, parenting teens, a relationship with technology and navigating smartphones with children in the home. Well, Katie and I love that Jody and her husband are ahead of us when it comes to parenting. They've got teens in their house right now, and so they're being so proactive and intentional on in how they're handling their teen relationships and parenting them and technology, like I already mentioned, and um, literature and education in their home, and then just overall lifestyle. Jody and her husband have a lifestyle that is just really inspiring. It shows, I think, the, the power that can come when you're intentional in every little aspect of your life. There really isn't like a detail that's too small to fixate on when it comes to your family and the home and the operations of a home. So who is Jody? I'm gonna read you a brief bio from her book, but they cover this book in, in the podcast episode. Jody's book, The Whole and Healthy Family, is one that Katie and I have both really enjoyed. And I'll go ahead and read the, the bio here on the back of the book, and then we'll go ahead and jump into uh, to today's episode. Jody Maccabee is a photographer, writer, blogger, speaker, and homeschooling mother of five living in the Black Hills of South Dakota. With a passion for health and wellness, parenting and homemaking, Jody blogs her family's journey and shares tips for a healthy and active lifestyle. She also writes curriculum for creative and artistic learning in a homeschool environment. There you have it. You're going to hear a lot more about Jody and what she does. We will link all the places that you can find Jody and follow her uh, in the description below. So you can follow her on Instagram. You can go to her website. I think it's jodymockabee.com, but we'll link that below so you can find it there. Folks, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast or if you do enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating or a review over on iTunes. If you're watching it on YouTube, we would love it if you subscribed and hit the notification button or maybe like the video. And for all of you that have been here with us on this journey, thank you so much for your ongoing support and encouragement. It means the world to Katie and myself, and we're so grateful that we get to do this. Enjoy the episode. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Okay, so Jody, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me today. I know you guys have a lot going on. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about what you have going on currently. Um, but for those who are not familiar with you, could you kind of give me an introduction as far as like, what does motherhood look like for you right now? What does your life entail? I know a lot of people know you uh, and how I found you through your book. Uh, the whole okay. and healthy family. Uh, but I just want to hear a little bit about what life looks like for you right now. 
Sure. Um, my name's Jody Mockaby. I have been married to my husband, Jason, for, oh gosh, he's the better one to ask. <laughs> but I think it's around 18 or 19 years. I think we might be at 19. I'm not quite sure. Um, we have five children ranging from ages 17 down to 11. And um, we just, I'm super passionate about parenting, raising um, the kids to just love the Lord and um, also raising children that are just enjoyable to be around. And so that's kind of where this book came from, was from a heart of just wanting to do parenting well and really thrive in it. Um, but I knew I wasn't ready until we actually had some success stories and could look back and say, oh, these early years that I like to refer to as the trenches, we made it through and this is what worked and this is what didn't. And just to be able to share a little bit of that now. So we are, we have three teenagers at the moment and that's a whole new world. And so I've, I'm laughing because we really have no idea what we're doing. So hopefully you won't ask for any wisdom on raising teens. <laughs> Well, I love that you have the perspective of we want this track record built up. We want to look back instead of speaking to like exactly where we're at right now. Um, but I think there could be so much. I'm sure you have so much wisdom to share in both. But that's something I really did appreciate from your book because we have little children. And so able, being able to look ahead and be like, wow, this is from a mother who like she's been through this season. She's reaping the harvest of that season currently while still sowing seeds for the next season of life in your children's lives. And it was just really, really encouraging to me, even down to just the way you were so practical and the way you really simplified things. You could tell you're like a simplifier. And I think that that's something that in the motherhood community, um, sometimes we struggle with because it's just like everything's coming at us all at once and it's hard to just boil down to the basics, what's actually going to make a difference and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's so funny. Like your book was recommended to me by so many people and I just sat down to read it like three weeks ago and I read it all in one night and I was just telling my husband, I need to go back and read it again because, you know, when you read a book all in one night. There's just a lot of stuff there, but it was just so encouraging. And something that stuck out to me was kind of how you made some extreme, you know, I put that in air quotes, but some extreme decisions in your home. And did you ever get flack for doing that? Or do you feel like everyone was just supportive or didn't care? Because I think sometimes that can be our struggle as parents is being worried about what other people think about our decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I look back and I kind of laugh because we don't, we're not as simple as we used to be. Um, the children have more than two shirts each now, you know, <laughs> and, um, we, we still toot, um, we really do try to live a simple life, but I believe that a lot of that was really out of just trying to survive, um, those wild years of just noise and action and wanting to focus on the really important things, which was parenting my children, not necessarily having to um, always be doing laundry, always be picking up things, um, always be being frazzled by seeing a lot of toys and items. So a lot of it came from just this survival, this need to survive and want to focus on what's really important and kind of be efficient with my time there. 
Um, but I look back and even as I was writing it, I kind of would just chuckle to myself over the extremity of our diets and um, our clothing and the one bowl rule. But when we were in it, and as a younger mom that you're in it now, you can understand the need to try to shave off any edges that are stress, like stress inducing, you know? And so if I can shave off doing the dishes, if I could shave off three extra loads of laundry, I'm going to figure out how to do that. So some of those extreme, um, you know, things that we did came from a place of really trying to just be efficient and do well. And I feel like our family understood that to a degree. There were times where um, we would get, you know, a set of pajamas <laughs> as like, Hey, we noticed the babies have holes in the knees of their pajamas, you know? So here's, and I was like, actually, but they still fit, you know, they're fine. <laughs> so there were subtle hints of um, maybe not disapproval, but just kind of trying to figure out where we were with, with our choices on that. Um, but for the most part, I think my family understood, my husband's family understood because neither of them had five children under five years old. And so they really knew that we were being intentional about a lot of things. And I think by them watching us just take parenting so seriously, um, they kind of looked at it as an experiment on their end too. Like we know that they're experimenting with this. So we're going to watch and see how it turns out. So it's been fun years later for them to compliment and, um, I don't know, just really recognize a lot of the fruit that has come from parenting our kids in such a quote unquote extreme way. Yeah. I love how you like go down to the details. I feel like you put words to things that people feel, but they don't really know why. Like you mentioned having neutral colors on your children, just helped relieve that visual stimulus that you were dealing with every day. And it's like, oh yeah, that's why it's like restful to look at your child instead of like, oh my goodness, you have this big kapow explosion and just so much going on. And uh, I loved how you put words to that or even things like the toys, having natural toys. I never considered why that might be nicer on our like stimuli, you know, versus plastic toys. And then when you're like, oh, the sounds don't ricochet. I was like, oh my goodness, that is so cool. Like you give reasons behind things and it just makes it, I think sometimes when we know the why it's easier to make the change because if it's just like plastic toy, wood toy, one of them's probably a little bit cheaper, you know, who cares? Uh, but you just, you give reasons behind your methodology. And I really love that. Did all those reasons come to you kind of as you were going or looking back, did you see, oh, this was really helpful for me and pinpoint it? It was a both situation. I think I mentioned in the book and um, my oldest son has sensory issues. We we discovered that early on that um, if he was overstimulated, the whole family experienced that and he was easily overstimulated. So learning about the environment and how to manage some of that stimulus um, was the kind of stepping stone for that. But what was crazy about it is when I started taking these steps towards a more simple, quiet, um, neutral um, lifestyle, it helped me. And so then I kind of realized, like, I understand the science behind this. Like now I don't have noise ricocheting off of walls and it's it feels absorbed. It feels grounded. Um, looking at your children in, you know, 
natural palettes, there's just something to be said about the calmness that comes with that. And I've actually gotten a lot of flack for that. <laughs> um, some people, it it doesn't strike a good chord with them. It, it feels weird um, and uncomfortable for them to feel like you would need to dress your children in certain colors in order to parent better. Um, so I don't think it necessarily will work for everyone. Um, and I, I made that very clear throughout the book. I hope people hear that message that, hey, just because it caused me extra stress for my child to wear a red shirt with a bright yellow circle on it doesn't mean that it would do that to you. But it worked for me, so I just want to share it. <laughs> and if you're frazzled and you're feeling stressed, then perhaps that could be part of the reason why. So might as well give it a try. <laughs> get a discount when you sign up for what? The Growth Initiative and the Get It All Done Club. The Get It All Done Club is a home management program. Link down below. You could see a free masterclass about everything I teach on creating a peacefully productive home. And the Growth Initiative is about becoming the man that you feel God has called you to be, but you don't have the systems and the support to become it. So if you're looking to grow together this year as a couple, even if it's in two different veins, we encourage you to check out the link below. You'll find a discount to the couples package. And if you want to learn more about either of these programs, you can watch a free free webinar, a free one, a free webinar for either one of the courses. Yes, no, you are so gracious throughout your whole book. And I love that you put yourself out there though and sharing these things that naturally if someone's not doing, then maybe they could take take up arms for, you know, because it's like, it's hitting close to home. It's hitting close to parenting decisions and why you're making the decisions you're making. But I love how you're just so gracious through the whole thing and are sharing your story about what worked for you. And, you know, it could spawn conversations. It spawned so much conversation with my husband and I, we actually recently did a podcast on what our parents taught us about um, sex and what we're teaching our kids based on, um, you really expedited the process for us and reading through your book. I sat down with Elisha and was like, I think we need to talk to our kids about this like right now. You know, we've been kind of expecting to put it off a little bit longer. And um, so I just love that you you are a conversation starter in so many of these chapters for spouses or just for like ourselves to think through, oh, I never thought of it that way, you know? And so I really appreciated that. Something I also love is you touch on maybe, I love, okay, how, how do I say this? Like you touch on the root issues for maybe certain causes of misbehavior. And so you talk about like food, right? You didn't realize that food was causing some practical issues with some of your kiddos. And um, in changing the diet, which seemed totally unrelated to the behavior, you were able to affect the behavior. But I love how you also don't stop there. You go through food, you go through different styles of learning, different needs, but you also go to discipline. And I loved that story where you shared how your toddler was getting into bed with you every night and you felt the Lord say, this is a discipline issue. Because I think so often there's certain topics within parenting where we're never really allowed. It's kind of taboo to say, this could be just a discipline issue. Not like, oh, but the child just has needs or the child has, um, you know, just like make excuse sometimes for things. And I love your sensitivity to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something I appreciated throughout the book. I, I'm glad. And it is, it is a sensitive topic in parenting now. Um, 
I know the gentle parenting movement is huge and there's something to be said for it. Um, people are recognizing that children learn different ways that perhaps spanking isn't the only way to discipline. Um, the problem with society in general, and we can look back in history to see this is we are not a moderate society. We take things to the extreme all the time. And the problem with that is we forget to look at the whole child. Um, we forget to look at the Bible to see what does God say about discipline? Does he say, sit down and walk through all these things all the time with your children, give them, you know, all these words to try to explain feelings he doesn't. He says, spare the rod, spoil the child. So it's it's a sensitive issue to talk about. Um, I, I think it's incredibly important to have a relationship with your children, that that's a big part of discipline. But um, absolutely, you don't want to avoid the fact that that is our first calling as parents are to disciple our children what word is in disciple discipline. So it's, we're forgetting that because we're caught up in what society is saying right now, that feelings are more important than discipline. And there's a both relationship there. So. Yeah. And I think that that's really freeing for young moms to be able to hear from a mom that's further ahead. You didn't destroy your children by not, you know, having a long drawn out discussion or not always having your child close, basically not always like if they're getting into bed with you every night, not being like, well, they just need me. I love how you're like, he did need me. So I gave him a lot of time during the day, but nighttime was not the time where that needed to happen. Um, it, you show that both right? You, ha you have the line of, I'm your mommy. This is where the line is drawn with discipline, but then I'm also going to pour into you and make sure your needs are being met too. And um, I think that's really freeing for a lot of moms. I want to talk real quick about building family culture in your family because you have five kiddos. That's a lot of different people. Um, and you touch on sports and extracurricular events and all that in your book. Can you just share with our listeners real quick, kind of how you created family culture that wasn't necessarily super individualistic growing up, kind of balancing that each child is an individual and also, wow, we've got a lot of kids here. Right, right. That's another thing that's really hard, I feel like, with society today is um, this message of individualism. And of course, God made each of our children unique and special, and um, they all have their own gifts and talents and passions and interests, and those are all important. Um, it's also really exciting for a child to discover some of those things on their own. And we've had to result to that in building our family culture, it was more along the lines of what are some of the things that we want to be as a family or do as a family. And so both Jason and I really love the outdoors. We find a lot of peace in the outdoors. We find um, the Lord in the outdoors. It's, it's creation is just where we like to spend a lot of time. So we knew that that would be a big part of our family culture, how to um, have a lifestyle that spends a lot of time outdoors. And um, we just started hiking and trying to find really inexpensive ways to do things as a family. That does not mean that all five children love hiking, um, but it was something that we could do that was inexpensive and together. And so we started just doing a few things like that, realizing how um, beautiful the time was together and how 
redeeming it was to to be together as a family and not split apart in different cars and different activities. And so it was a really special time in those early years of focusing on family versus the individual. And we're still now, you know, years later having teenagers who now can drive. We have two drivers. Um, now is when we have allowed the individual aspect to play more of a role because they can drive themselves. Um, we're, we're still doing family dinners together, but they can drive themselves to practice. So the individualism, we just kind of tried to make that wait for a while, knowing that eventually it would come. Um, but they've been able to discover that on their own, which is so fun. It hasn't been because we've had them in eight different sports and we've made them choose one, you know, it's been like, well, we're going to do soccer as a family because we're all in the same place at the same time. We'll play it together. We'll have fun together. And then if you want to do anything later, you're welcome to, but at this time we're focusing on doing things together. And so I'm not quite sure how that's going to pan out in their adulthood, but I can tell you, I never played high school volleyball um, and I'm in an adult volleyball league now <laughs> in my forties and it's so fun. So there is always time to like, you know, discover new interests and gifts. And we are, as parents, we should not feel the pressure to provide all of that for them in their childhood. Like our most important thing to do is to nurture our children and our family. So we don't need to feel this pressure to expose them to hundreds of different sports or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses in that way. I love that. It's, it's not like isolating something to a stage, like, like sports are not just till you get through high school or maybe play in college. Like they're just a lifelong thing. So you can enjoy them later in life. And I do think actually, just like from my growing up years, I really resonated with the way you were sharing about how your family got into skiing, because that was a family centric sport that we got into. We didn't really get into hiking, but we did mountain biking. And then we would all play um, pickup soccer every weekend, like with my dad. And it was just, it was so fun. And now growing up, I feel like I, same thing, like we all get together and we all still play sports as a family or we'll play pickup games or all my sisters are in leagues. And I mean, that's like, if we're pregnant, if we're not pregnant, it's just this, it's a fun thing. And it's not seeing sports maybe as the ultra competitive, um, way that our culture paints it. Like you have to be really good at it or, you're going to miss your window. You know, if you don't have your kid in the club sports and they're going all, all the time, then you're going to miss the window. You know, that scarcity. And, you know, we've been able to look at families ahead of us that have, have done that model, the ultra concentrated and um, super competitive sport model. And a lot of times their kids burn out and then never want to play sports again. That's actually a little bit of what happened to my husband. His schedule was so full in high school of club sports and school sports and all the sports and a lot of high academic achievement alongside of those things. He burned out from all of it. He hasn't picked up a classic book since high school. He um, he enjoys sports, but he doesn't want to really be on a team or he'll play with the family. But you just see the burnout like it it actually is too much for him. And so thankfully I have 
his experience to, you know, we work together with, I had zero sports. He had too much sports. So we kind of have found this like moderate way to allow our kids to be athletic and experience the fun of organized activities, but be very moderate and protective of our family time because we both do want our kids to be able to do pickup games or jump into a game of this or that. And that's important to us. And we love to do it as a family, but can we do it without being in all of these clubs and, you know, have a year round schedule of something always going on. So. Yeah. And that's something that I really pick up from your book is just the way that you guys are crafting your family is how does this work for us and how do we make it work for us instead of, okay, the system is this, this is the sports system. If you do sports and you have athletic kids, this is what you have to do. If you have kids that you want to be academic, this is what you have to do. You're kind of like, well, we're going to, we're going to make it our own and have these things serve our family and serve our children instead of being slaves to them. And I really, I think that that is a really cool perspective for people who want their kids to be engaged in sports. They're like, well, I want them to, you know, this is fun being athletic um, and kind of turning them into lifelong athletes, really, instead of, like you said, burning them out. Yeah. That's kind of the goal is just, can we keep it fun? And not have to take it to, you know, an extreme level. But right now we have one high schooler that he wants to go as far as he can. And so as long as he pays for it, (laughs) he can do it. And so we're enabling him to play and we support him, but we won't travel with him. And we won't, you know, we're not going to take the whole family to these competitions. But if he wants to do it and he's passionate about it and he pays for it, then go for it. So that's kind of where we're at. And yet you really truly find out how much they want it if they end up having to pay for it on their own. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, the ball's in your court at this point. And well, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, (laughs) no pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. But like, so how has that transition been transitioning from these little kiddos, right? Where doing everything for them. Has that been a hard transition? Has that been an easy transition for you? You said you have two kids driving now. How has that kind of looked? Have you and your husband felt on the same page with allowing the freedoms that come with that? And you just feel like your kids are ready or have you kind of like held your breath and been like, I hope this works out, but I feel like it's what we're called to do. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be completely candid and honest in this. Um, We have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) And It has, this new season has jumped so quickly on us. I think partly having moved to South Dakota and being able to have licensed licensed drivers at 14, like that whole world just kind of came came so quickly um, that we were laughing the other night because my husband's like, I think Everett should have a curfew. And I was like, no, he doesn't need a curfew. He's not partying. He's watching a movie with a friend. And so we went back and forth over like, what is a curfew? Is a curfew needed? You know, those conversations with all of the other stages, we were so ready for them and anticipated them. Um, I read so much information on developmental needs and all kinds of um, things having to do with mind, body, spirit on how to best equip my children in the early years. And we kind of have been coasting on the fruit of that. And it's been a sweet spot to coast on it because through daily disciplines and habits and the culture that we established in our house, 
things for the most part have been very peaceful, enjoyable, fun, but we did just recently just get kind of slapped in the face with um, teenagers and that whatever comes with them. So that social opportunities and attitudes and um, teenagers knowing everything and learning, you know, at this point, we're not doing a ton of parenting or disciplining. We're doing a lot of just coming alongside and conversing. And that part is so fun. Um, It just, at the same time, I'm not ahead of it like I was with all of the other stages. And I'm not sure I'm supposed to be. I don't know if I feel it's a good spot trying to wrestle through and iron out the wrinkles as they come at this point, where before it was always wanting to be ahead to make sure I was prepared for those stages. So it's that's an honest answer. But I I can say that we were really kind of cruising on the fruit of um of all of the labor of the early years. And that was a really sweet season to be able to just sit back and enjoy our children and not have to spank and, you know, not have to sit the child back in the chair and then sit the child back in the chair. And there's just a really sweet time, I would say, between the ages of eight and 12, where you can kind of just coast on all of the discipline that you put in on in those early years. So now we're kind of past that sweet spot and just trying to figure out, okay, what does our family culture look like now? What is our, um, what do we feel about discipline now? It doesn't look physical. It, it doesn't even look necessarily like consequences as much as it looks like accountability. So we're just really working through that. It's so fun. Um, sometimes stressful, but it's, it's really enjoyable. I've been loving these years. They're, they're a lot of fun. I, yeah, I love your intentionality. I have no doubt that you're going to be on the other side of this with a lot of good insight. I'm, I'm just glad you're ahead of me. I will look forward to your book (laughs) on raising teens in the future, um, because I just, yeah, people say like there's the little years that are really trying on you and then you get kind of like a sweet spot if you've put in well in those early years. I do think you kind of continue to battle um, through the middle childhood years if you don't really put in in the beginning uh, with all that discipline and stuff like that. But then the teen years is just like you said, I I don't know of anyone who's like ahead of the teen years unless you've gone through it. You know, you just, it's like a trial by fire with your first couple kiddos, just walking through yeah, it with them. Think, you know, what we've discovered is the teen years are truly when it becomes more individualistic. You can start that earlier, which, you know, society encourages you to do, but because we didn't, we had just, um, an overall method for our entire family for our whole culture. And now they are very individual. So I think our biggest challenge now is um, how much individuality do we give them? You know, do we um, allow them to spend the majority of their time in the evening with friends or do we require, um, you know, family time after dinner together? So it's just kind of that wrestle of figuring out how much individual how much individuality do you allow to let them discover who they are and kind of spread their wings? But you also want to hold on to the family unit as long as possible too. So that's the challenge that we're facing. It's a different conversation every night. And we find ourselves, I mean, right now we're probably going to be joining a rock climbing gym as a family because our oldest 
has gotten really passionate about rock climbing and that's where his community is. And it's the only way to enter into his world, really. So we're all going to do it as a family. (laughs) And, you know, there will be benefits of the kids learning a new skill there. And, you know, we'll have a place to work out together. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how we're adjusting to this new individualistic stage that we're in. That is so cool how you're choosing to still infuse yourself into your child's interests and they're like, instead of at a certain point when your children are growing up, they're kind of growing up with your interests, right? And like what you care about. And that's how the family culture is formed. And now you aren't just letting that go. You're like, okay, well, we're going to pick up a new skill with you. And that is just so inspiring to me. I love how you talk about, um, let's see, I think I actually wrote it down here because it was so good. Oh, you talk in regards to fitness and getting outdoors. I actually wrote this down, but you were saying how pushing children to do hard things is great. Um, But if parents are not modeling the same behavior, there will be a disconnect. And I think that that just applies in all areas of life where if we're not being, you know, wise with our technology, why would we expect our kids to be, or if we aren't putting or pushing ourselves physically, um, why would we expect our kids to, how do you feel like do you feel like some of those areas were harder for you than others where you look back and we're like, okay, I'm going to get into this because I want my children to get into this. Or do you feel like you already had kind of the mental and physical discipline and the systems in place to model the behavior that you wanted to model for your children? I mean, I think for, um, consistency in exercise that has always kind of been a part of my life. And so that was always modeled, but trying new things, um, was something that I I'm a very consistent person. So to try new things was kind of, um, scary for me and embarrassing and all of that, you know, to have to, I think I shared the example of swimming, but I had never taken swim lessons in my life. I I didn't know how to do any strokes. And I felt it was very important that all of my kids learned that. Um, and with my daughter, I think she was maybe 10 at the time, just questioning me. Um, if you think it's so important that we learn this and why haven't you, and why won't you, then it was just like, Oh, you're right. You know? <laughs> so I, I joined them and it was humbling. I mean, I was in a class with like 80 year olds, you know, because <laughs> that was the level that I had to start at is just a slow level of learning how to swim well. Um, and so I'm so grateful that she questioned me on that. That kind of opened my eyes to the reality of, I have this conviction of wanting to kind of push them and um, put them in uncomfortable situations. Yet I sit on the sidelines while I'm doing that. It it doesn't translate well to modeling. It's just me telling. So that kind of lit a fire under me to um, model that as well. And so they've been able to see that with me joining a volleyball league and never having played volleyball. Um, they're starting to just see it. It's now kind of a part of our family culture. So it's super fun. Now it doesn't come as a surprise if anyone wants to try anything new or um, difficult. And so, yeah, I think just the modeling that speaks so much more than trying to teach or preach it to your kids. Yeah. And there's so many examples of you modeling your values to your kids. And that's when they know that it's real. I'm sure that's when, because they could just see through what we really value so quickly, I feel like. It's true. 
Yeah. We had a discussion and you already mentioned it with technology, but my husband and I talked, you know, and this is a constant um, discussion that we have when our children were earlier, neither of us had smartphones. We made that conscious decision just to not have smartphones. Um, We finally got them when the kids were more independent to where, you know, they didn't need us at all hours. And um, I was joking with one of my teens the other day because I was like, you know, like I never had a phone when you were younger. We did everything together when we went outside and hiked and whatever. I didn't even have a phone like I, I had no way to access the Internet. I brought maps with me. You know, we didn't we didn't use Google Maps or anything like that. And the sad part is he won't remember any of that. Like now he sees me with a phone. Um, and that now is when I want him to see me have like such discipline with technology, you know. But my husband and I have talked about that a lot, that if we are both of our teens just got phones. And so and they're pretty balanced with it, but it just drives us bananas if we see them on their phone because it's just so unattractive. But we both laugh because we have our phones as well. That's how we catch up on news. That's how we communicate. That's how we get work done. And so our children see us with our phones. So what do we expect them to do? You know, if if they're seeing mom and dad prioritizing um, their phone over a moment with their child, they're going to prior- prioritize their phone over a moment with their parents. So we're really working on that right now to find the right kind of balance there for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I'm so curious about uh, going forward. And so that's cool to hear from you. I also think it's interesting. Like you said, our kids won't remember this time. Uh, My husband and I currently don't have any smartphones for similar reasons that you mentioned. We just really want to be present. Um, But it is interesting to note that while it does affect our parenting and our parenting style right now, they aren't going to remember those seasons. <laughs> no, no. And that's what kills me the most is I'm like, if you only knew the sacrifices, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's cool. So technology wise, you have had your, you've let your kids get phones. I mean, you need to contact them, get a hold of them, right? And then how has that been with social media? And you guys, it's been good. Um, I'm still waiting for that to be a issue at this moment. It's been fine. Um, they both have, we've, we told them no Snapchat originally. So they both had to get phones because they play high school sports and, um, all of the, you know, organization and schedules and communication is through apps. And so they're unable to be in touch with their coaches unless they have this app. So that's when they kind of got phones was more for the reason of just being involved in high school sports. But um, once they got them, it was kind of like, okay, we had them on full security, like no apps are allowed to be downloaded unless mom or dad are, you know, okay with it. And we review everything. And the reality is in the past, probably six months, we have taken all the security off. We have done so much work in regards to discussions on pornography, um, appropriate media, and all of that stuff that it's kind of like, now is the time to test it. <laughs> yeah. So while yeah. they're still in the comfort of their own home where they have parents that can help walk through situations. And so we've just kind of taken all security off. 
Um, we have conversations. They, if they, they just, both of them joined Snapchat because apparently teenagers don't text anymore that all communication is through Snapchat. So that was a way for them to be able to actually communicate with friends. And so, um, it's been fine. It, for the most part, you know, we do have certain, um, expectations. Like we still have rules, no phones in rooms, um, you can't sleep with the phone in your room. There's no closed doors with phones, stuff like that. So there are still like family rules with media and stuff like that. But for the most part, they have the freedom to download um, apps. There has been no issues with social media. For the most part, they think a lot of it is stupid. So we're we're winning right now on that. That's not to say that next week is going to look a lot different. And that's not to say that they won't be exposed to stuff and not share it. I mean, we're expecting kind of the worst and then, and praying that somehow it comes to light if, if things happen so that we can discuss it together and work through it together. So that's kind of where we're at basically with parenting in general is just like, let's see what happens and we'll walk through it together. (laughs) I love your perspective on that while they're still in the home, like one day, everything's going to be off. Anyways, like everything, the world's their oyster. And so what better time to learn than have those guardrails off in the home while you're still in active communication with them instead of, you know, four years down the road or they're in college or they're, you know, eventually that's going to have to happen. And so I love that perspective of like, well, we'll be here when, when stuff happens. My mom had this amazing parental um, discovery when we were younger and I've adopted it as a parent myself, but they prayed every day when we were children that we would be caught for everything that we did. And I thought that was such a weird, we used to just, you know, why did you pray that? Cause we would get caught for everything. Um, and it wasn't by them. It would be by, I remember my brother stole baseball cards, you know, and the, the store owner happened to know who my parents were. And so, you know, talk to them about it. And I mean, every single thing that was like a monumental character moment. And so I pray the same for my kids. Um, natural consequences are absolutely the best consequence. Um, I don't think your children's characters are going to be molded by rules. Um, it's by learning. And so in the early years, I I have a different opinion on that. I, I feel like systems and um, expectations and habits are all what form the character. But at this point, it's all kind of put to test at this point. So it just, it's wild how it changes um, for my closest friends, which I've never said this on a podcast before. So hopefully it won't, it, it will be taken the way it's intended. But for my closest friends, we've always joked, like we parent in the early years, like on an old Testament level. And then on the later years is more of like a new Testament level. Like it's more personal. It's more grace-based. It's, it's more relational. And the old Testament is kind of more like rule driven. So, but that there's a purpose for that. There's a foundation being built so that they can then thrive in this relational setting later. So, and you're still having to build the relationship early on so that they can do that later on. So it's all complicated. It's all an experiment. (laughs) So we'll see. I love that word picture though, of that whole old Testament, new Testament. I do think that's true. I do think 
a lot of, like you said, relationship, like there's themes that go across the whole Bible, just like there's themes that go across all of parenting, right? But I do think that so often what I'm seeing, because I feel like my husband and I parent a lot how very similar to how we were raised, which is very old school, which is very not cool with today's standards of parenting. (laughs) But I feel like there is that a lot of parenting that I feel like gets mixed up is when we flip those two on our head and we start treating a three-year-old toddler like they're a 13-year-old and 14-year-old and the child's confused. They don't know where the boundaries are. They aren't ready to test out their character because they don't have any character. It hasn't been built into them. And so just that foundational lane of our children already are devoted to us in the early years and we're we're just there with every kind of guardrail and every kind of um, rule and expectation and discipline, that gives way to being able to have that grace-based approach later on uh, because your children have character. I don't know. I just think that's a really cool way that you put that there. How has... Oh, well, I'm <laughs> yeah. Hopefully nobody will be offended by that, you know, because the wrath of God is it's pretty heavy handed in the old Testament. So (laughs) it can be translated poorly. Yes. And that's true. That's true. People can, you can always take something wrong and misapply it. It takes maturity to know what your child needs. And obviously they need love and they need grace at every season. And, uh, yeah, no, no wrath of God, (laughs) just pouring down. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's just a little, it's a little more stern, maybe in the Old Testament, maybe a lot more light in the, in the New Testament. Um, okay. Yeah. Take the, take it loosely. How has homeschool changed? Okay. Well, has homeschooling changed through high school or if so, how? Very much so. Um, you know, I've actually been grieving probably since high school has started just the loss of, um, that again, sweet unit that we had where we were together at all moments and we were able to learn together and everything was done together. Um, schooling was much easier. I actually used to think I was a great homeschooler until my oldest started going to classes at a college and I was left with the other four and there just was this like lack of creativity or um, interest, I guess. And it took me a little while to realize that he was the one that brought all of that in. <laughs> I thought it was me. <laughs> and so that that was a hard adjustment. Like, oh, I'm going to have to actually work harder at this than I used to. Um, I really did think it was me. It wasn't. It was him bringing all that creativity and imaginative play. And he was just so curious all the time and led all of the other kids on to experiments and um, adventures and all kinds of things. So losing him, we we kind of took like a really big hit with um, the creativity and the excitement of schooling. And so we've had to refine that again. And so we do get him maybe twice a week for our morning collective. And the beautiful thing about having high schoolers and homeschooling is you can read such like higher level concepts and ideas and the conversation is just so much more rich. And so having him in that circle and my now my other high schooler too, we're able to talk about ethics and philosophies and morals and um, investing and all kinds of concepts that, um, you know, weren't always there with the little ones. 
and the the younger kids, my twins are 11 and my other daughter is 13. They're able to kind of pick up on a lot of that because you have this teen language responding to this heavy literature. And so the teen language kind of makes it more approachable and easier to understand when we're conversing. So it has been so beautiful when we're all able to do it together. When we're not able to do it together, it's sad. <laughs> so it's still there and great. And I'm I'm able to watch him um, flourish in college settings, which is encouraging to know that he's able to do that. Um, but it's also just been sad to lose him as a part of our unit on that. So um, next year will look different because I'll have two college students and we'll just see schedule wise what that looks like. My my other son works twice a week, a, a full like nine hour day twice a week. So we lose him on those school days too. So it's just a whole different dynamic when they're gone. Um, the reading level kind of drops down and it it's more like simple and sweet. And then when they come, it's just richer. So we're getting a little bit of both during this season. So it's a different adjustment, but it has its really good positive things. And then it has some hard things too. Um, I've never regretted anything we've done in homeschooling until I'm watching, you know, my high schoolers navigate college classes and different things. And I'm, I'm able to see where some of the holes were. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a whole new thing. Like our yeah. oldest is six, but I was already just like talking to my husband about that. It's like, are we going to do college? Like I want to be prepared for it if we do it. And so where would the gaps be? And it's just, it's very, I mean, we have years, but you don't really know until they're in it. You don't. And I mean, college honestly is not our ultimate goal. I would love each of my kids to own their own business and figure out some kind of family economy to, to raise their family on that. That would be my heart for them. But in the interim, um, I'm seeing the need to kind of stretch the wings out and and hear somebody else's perspective. And they'll he'll come home and just like, this is what the professor said. What do you think about it? And you know, we can. He's able to check out other models and try to figure out what's true and what's right. Um, so it's a really sweet time to be able to allow them to challenge that in the safety of our home. Um, so I don't regret him going, even if that may not be the end goal, it's a good experience for him. Um, and simultaneously, he's being challenged academically um, in the areas that I just wouldn't prioritize. So <laughs> I've decided to outsource for that. Yeah. I don't really want calculus. I would not be able to. So <laughs> yeah, just give it to someone else. No, yes. I, I, yeah, this is just a really cool conversation because of you are taking the the training wheels are off for your kids and you're watching them start to fly and you're, you're like in that beginning season of it. But I think there's so many moms that I hear from that I respect that are in the little season of, you know, or younger season, but hearing that tra transition and, and just your ability and desire to adapt and make it work and just like you're just a lifelong learner. That's something that comes across in your book. That's something that you're giving your children. It's not expecting to get life in this perfect little box and then keep it there. It's just like life's always changing. Life's always moving. I'm going to adapt and move with it. And my children are too. And that's something that I really get from your book. And um, 
yeah, I'm just so encouraged. I'm so excited. To, like, I'm so excited that the Lord brought you along my path because I just, I love the intentionality that you and your husband are putting into raising your children and you're, you're far enough ahead that you're going to have a lot of insights by the time I get there. I, I'm so happy to hear that. I, um, you know, families like yours are why I wrote it is just you yourself are wanting to learn and do the best that you can. And, um, raise biblically grounded children. And so it's, it's hard because I never really found a true answer. <laughs> it was like, I had to read so many different books to try to figure out like what was going on with just one kid. There was never this direct answer to anything, but I think that's all part of the process is learning and growing and hearing from people ahead of you. And I know that's one thing that um, I feel like maybe has been a priority for me is always to have mentors in my life um, to go to with some of the smallest, silliest questions. And still, I have two friends that I talk to almost on the daily, um, and I will ask sometimes the stupidest questions like, hey, one of my kids seems to like try to be like flattering. What do you do about a kid that is overly like, you know, it's like, these are stupid questions, but they're parents that have been in it for years ahead of me. And they're able to give me wise counsel. And, um, I don't know what I would do without them. And so if you can't find a person in your life like that, that's where books and, um, resources are so helpful. So, or use a little bit of both that that's a good combination too. That is for sure. So I'm going to link your book down below. I highly recommend it just like it was highly recommended to me by literally, I, I can't think of a good friend I know that has not recommended your book to me. Uh, but That's also, so yes, yes, really. They were just like, there's this book really spoke to me. And so um, where though can people find you other places? Just to stay I think in touch. Probably Instagram is really the only place that I'm active in, and that's just at Jody Mockaby. Um, I do have a website, jodymockaby.com, but I don't really blog there very much anymore. If um, you're looking for, you know, stories of motherhood that were not in the book, you could look back in my archives with that. But um, for the most part, Jody Mockaby on Instagram. If you're a mom that has been interested in homeschooling or is currently homeschooling, I do sell products on my website, jodymockaby.com. And those have been all created by me and my children um, as we just kind of created our own way of homeschooling that's very artistic and creative and fun and um, challenging. And so those resources are all on my website as well. Awesome. I'm excited to go check those out. Thank you so much for taking your time to be on here today, Jody. And hopefully our paths cross one day. Bummed you didn't end up in North Idaho, though. <laughs> I know it's true. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. <laughs> Bye. Bye.